Today on episode number 916, we've got an interview with the late, great Dan Miller talking about building your community, and we're going to talk a little legacy and some things about PodFest, because, well, I'm back with PodFest voice. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And yeah, I am fresh back from PodFest, where it is now 62 degrees in my office, or for my friends across the pond, 17 degrees Celsius. And I had a great time. One of the great things about PodFest is we had every kind of podcast from every shape, size, color, etc., etc., and we all got along beautifully. There was no drama, so that was the beautiful thing of it. I made a lot of new friends, but right before PodFest, my friend Dan Miller, who appeared on the very first episode of the Grow Your Community show, passed away. Uh, and, and this was um, something that he saw coming. It was still pretty sudden. It was about a month uh, when he found out that he had cancer throughout his body. And I was like, I always got value anytime I talk to Dan. He's got a great book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I'll have Links to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 916. And I, at one point, was doing a show called the Grow Your Community Show. And it's on that kind of, uh, I have a lot of shows that are on the whenever I find something cool schedule, which is not something I typically recommend, but I have a few of those. And this is great stuff. It's evergreen stuff. And I just want to pay homage to my friend, Dan Miller, and here's my conversation with Dan. We're talking about uh, masterminds and growing your community and moving off of Facebook and how you measure your success. Here's my talk with the late, great Dan Miller. I consider this guy a legend. He's a New York Times bestselling author. You've seen him on CBS. You've seen him on many different shows. You've seen him on Dave Ramsey. He's an author. He's a coach. He is, uh, if you sit next to this guy, you're going to walk away smarter. Dan Miller, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, man, what an introduction. I need to just go reduce my head size for a minute. <laughs> but 48 Days to the Work You Love, it's been around a while, but it's ageless. Well, yeah, I just released the 20th anniversary edition. Yeah, amazing to see it just continue to have legs. I've updated every five years. I update it. So this is brand, brand new 20th anniversary edition. Well, I saw you you added two new words to the title. It's now to the work and life you love. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What inspired that? Golly, as I work with people in business ideas, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur from the top of my head to my toes. I love that space. But as I look at that, I see how easily, how quickly it bleeds over into other areas of life. It's not just about business, especially when you're an entrepreneur. You know, there's no stopping it. It's 24-7, you're an entrepreneur. So it immediately affects other areas of your life, physically, spiritual, socially, family, all those things. And the questions we get, you know, at 40 Days are so much in the life space. 
gee, my spouse doesn't support me with this crazy idea I have. I thought I was going to be the next Bill Gates and she's putting the brakes on. Well, so it was just a natural addition, 48 days to the work and life because there's so many components that overlap. When did the first Eagles, the first version of the Eagles Club start? Do you remember? Oh, that goes way back. I've always been enamored with just the symbolism of Eagles, mm-hmm. how they're focused, they're loyal, they're determined, persistent, that we can go through characteristics that I admire greatly of the Eagles. So I've used that term a lot. So way back at the beginning of all this, 48 days, I started a, a little group, Dave Ramsey and I started a group together, and I called it the Eagles. There were 12 of us. We met for 14 years every Wednesday morning. So the Eagles. So it was that little tight mastermind group where we saw our kids grow up, grew our businesses together and all of that. But I've, I've leveraged, I've repurposed that again and again and again. So my current mastermind is called Eaglepreneurs. Our online community is called the 48 Days Eagles. So I consistently go back to that just because I, I like the term. I like what it brings to mind immediately to people. So it goes back a lot of years. Yeah, because I know at one point, I think for a while you were on Facebook. I think now you're using Mighty Networks for it. Did you get a lot of pushback when you moved from Facebook to Mighty Networks? We lost about a third of our membership. So that tells you right there. Yeah, people are used to Facebook. It's so ubiquitous. It's just there. Every time you pick up your phone, you know, hundreds of times a day, it's there. But there are some things implicit in that very characteristic that I thought were negatives Mm. because- there's so much volume. How do you get your unique group community content to stand out when they may have scrolled through 98 other things to get to it? And then also, as you know well from Facebook, the distractions are intentional. They're not just random, they're intentional, where they try to pull you away and go to other things. The intrusions, the way they mine data and use data then to market to you directly. I mean, I I just don't want to be part of that mess. I think it has some really unique, clean, pure, clear, positive characteristics to have a site apart from that. Now, I'm not dissing Facebook. It is what it is. But it just doesn't appeal to me in terms of having a business location destination for people. Has the the activity, I guess, in the group, is it now about the same or a little less? I would think the people that are there are there for a reason. I mean, they're there to to be part of the group. I have never seen such loyalty, mm-hmm. such intimacy, such a feeling of this is a safe place. People don't get that on Facebook. Here they do. And the way that people share, encourage each other, you know, when they go there, they have to go there intentionally. It's not going to be something just automatic. Now, you know, Mighty Networks has an app. So you can get notifications if you want to. You can control that. But they go there intentionally. So they're there with a purpose, not just kind of randomly scrolling through and something pops up. And because of that, it has accelerated the very things that you just mentioned, the very things that I want to see in an intentional business community. This is not just showing up and, gee, you know, I I had hamburger and fries for lunch. No, this has a purpose. And when people there, they display that purpose. Do you have moderators or at one point did you have to start bringing on other people maybe to help manage it? You know, this is really interesting because I have two part-time people who help me manage that. Now, that being said, we have a whole lot of leaders in this community, Mm. but they emerged as leaders because of their involvement and their contributions. 
So we identify those leaders. We've given some titles, Dean of Coaching, Dean of Speaking, where these people have proven their leadership abilities and we acknowledge them as such and make them leaders in the community. We right now are running what we call Eagle's Nest. So there are 11 groups, small groups of people who are interested in particular areas of business. One of those being podcasting, then speaking, coaching, golly, we've got, you know, how to understand your your personality, music, art, those kind of things. Those are all led by volunteer members. They're members who have proven their expertise in those areas. Mm. I mean, you and I, you know, have a mutual friend, Eric Johnson. Yeah. He podcast talent coach. Are you kidding me? I was leading that group because I'm a fan of podcasting and here I have Eric show up in my last group. And I said, good grief. I don't need to be leading this thing. You do. Well, guess what? Easily. So we've identified leaders in the group who have emerged by their natural showing of their ability. It really requires very little of me. I'm amazed at how little I need to do in that community. It's self-policing. It's self-growing, thriving. The biggest thing that drives new members are happy members who are in there. So even, even the marketing is minimal because of how that group is functioning on its own. And people make an investment. So it's self-purging. If somebody isn't getting value, if they're not involved in the community, participating and contributing, they're going to be removed, which is exactly what I want. I've had other communities online where we've gotten really big numbers because it was free. Well, there's, there's no self-cleansing process in a free group. I'm a big believer in having a paid group. The numbers, you know, we all want to brag about numbers. My gosh, you know, you're in a podcast world. You know how people fudge the numbers. (laughs) Yes. We love our stats. I, I recently, well, you know, it was a, I forget who it was, but anyway, an advertiser, you know, wanted to advertise. And I sent him a screenshot of my lips and numbers. And they're like, oh my gosh, nobody ever does that. I said, yeah, I know what they do. They fudge the numbers. They take their Facebook fans and LinkedIn connections and everything, combine them all for this grandiose number, which is unreal. I said, here are the actual numbers, my podcast downloads. And they were blown away that I did that. But yeah, you know, I'm not enamored with the big numbers. I'm enamored with really quality engagement and growth for participants. If somebody said, well, why should I start a community? What do you think is the big thing that you get out of it? I have a core message with my 48 days book. That is how to identify how God has uniquely gifted you and then to translate that into meaningful, purposeful, profitable work. That's it. So if I think that can benefit people, then I want them to experience that. So a community is one more way for people to experience that. We have multiple ways. We have courses. We have a pretty robust product suite, courses, seminars, you know, online training, coaching, of course, my podcast. So the community is one more way to do that. And it's quite effective in that people are sharing testimonials. Hey, I did this. Now, you know, here's where I was two years ago. Here's where I am today. Boy, that does things to drive the sharing of your message like few other things can do. People can read a book in isolation. You know, they read it and they like it, but wow, that may be the end of it. But if they're in community and they say, well, gee, how'd you get there? How did you use this principle to move yourself forward? 
then there's a viral effect to that that we don't get through other mediums. You have a, a course on masterminds. I, I go back to the days I read your book on a PDF that you had on mastermind. On one hand, there's a community and then there's a mastermind. Are they the same thing? Is it a different? And if they're different, because I think sometimes people use those words interchangeably. Callie, great question. I love your question, Dave. And no, they're not. I don't know of any word that has been more bastardized in the last few years than mastermind. I mean, people use that. Hey, let's get together for dinner. You know, we're going to have a mastermind. Hey, you know, why don't you come over to my house on Saturday morning? We're going to have a mastermind. Well, that's not really the description of a mastermind. I mean, I go all the way back to Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich, where he talked about every person who had had extraordinary success that he studied over a 20-year period, without exception, was part of a mastermind. So if it was Henry Ford or Andrew Carnegie or J.D. Rockefeller, all those guys who were world changers were part of a mastermind. But that wasn't just some big group where you just got together for dinner. Those were people who were getting together regularly and sharing ideas, sharing life deeply. So a mastermind, you can't scale a mastermind. You can't just have it open-ended and all of a sudden you've got a thousand people in there. That's not a mastermind. Now, I've done some experimenting. The group that Dave and I, Dave Rames and I had for tw- uh, 14 years, 12 guys. That was it. I mean, somebody had to die or leave before there was an opening. That was it. <laughs> the only way in. And that rarely happened. So there's that. Now, right now, I've got a mastermind and I have 30 people in it. I'm experimenting. It's working really, really well because what I'm finding is that we have little pockets of unique expertise. So if somebody needs medical help, we've got two doctors in there. If somebody needs legal help, we got three attorneys in there. So I'm finding that we have kind of an economy of scale in talent and having a few more people. I'm still testing that to see if I really like that. I have no expectation, no desire, you know, to increase that number to 50 or hundred. No, but I'm experimenting with a little bigger group. And because we connect virtually, it's working extremely well. An online community, on the other hand, we still screen people. We, they still have to apply and be approved. They still have to meet certain criteria to be in there, but we don't have the depth of level of connection in there. There are people who are being helped by other people who I don't even know. I can't realistically be deeply connected with a whole lot of people like that. So no, it's, it's very different. It's not a mastermind at all. I would never call it such. When we come back from break, Dan's going to talk about his application process and when you should start a community. It's kind of weird listening back to Dan because I can hear the smile in his voice. Just an amazing amazing man but here's the beautiful thing we can still listen to dan because he had a podcast or in this case he was on mine and so you can too we're going to talk about legacy here in a bit but you can reach the world i was talking to people at podfest and they said what really drew you to and i said well for me podcasting being a teacher it allowed me to to help people that was really the big one but you kind of had to be a little bit of a geek back in those days. You don't have to be now, but uh, back then you did. And you could be as creative as you want. And if you have a message in front of you, don't take that message with you. Come out, join the School of Podcasting, get access to our step-by-step tutorials, our amazing podcast masterminds, speaking of masterminds, and, of course, unlimited one-on-one consulting 
with me. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. I had somebody ask me a question about that at PodFest, but go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash learn and uh, join today. I'd love to see what we can do together. What's the application process? This is really an entrepreneurial community. I mean, we, we want people who are clear on what they're moving toward. Now, we still have a lot of people who are working traditional jobs. That's fine. We have a program where we teach them how to use 15 hours a week to grow a very significant business. You can do that. 15 hours a week, six months, you can have a $100,000 year business. We have lots of examples of people doing that. But these are all people who have some kind of an idea of what they're moving toward. So we don't want somebody who's just disgruntled with their work. I mean, that would include everybody. <laughs> so, so we want people who have a clear idea. Here's something I'm testing, but now I want to grow this a little bit more. And so if we see those characteristics in there, and we have other ways that we bet people to look at what else are they doing on social media. We don't want somebody to just come in and think this is a place to recruit or spam people. Nah, not going to happen. So we have some simple questions, about 20 questions somebody has to ask, answer, and then we approve them or not. And so you mentioned that, like, obviously, if somebody's just, a, you know, Oscar the Grouch, for lack of a better phrase, what other things would, like, is just immediately a red flag? And, and not that these are bad people, they're just not a yeah. good fit for your community. Is there anything else you can think of? Oh, yeah. There's some real red flags that people don't anticipate. It's people who blame and point fingers mm-hmm. and complain. Gee, you know, every job I've had, the boss has been an idiot. Oh, really? Let's look for the common denominator in this scenario. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have very little patience with people who, who have lots of reasons for why they've failed. I mean, right now, look at what's happened. It's the government. You know, it's the church. It's the economy. You know, it's, it's COVID. It, what, whatever. I mean, I'm talking to people who are absolutely thriving right now with all these things that seem like obstacles and a lot of people talking about nothing but loss and lack, there are people who are absolutely knocking it out of the park. Those are the people that I look for. People who accept responsibility for where they are. So we have some subtle questions that help us identify that. Is this person accepting responsibility? Is this person decisive? Is this person at a different place? I mean, well, sometimes in a personal conversation, I'll ask somebody, how is your life different today than it was three years ago? Mm. Just that open-ended. If, if they describe it and it's exactly the same, well, guess what? I got a pretty good predictor of what your life is going to be like three years from now. But if that person has changed that period of time, oh, that opens the door. We can identify some new goals, some new vision and move forward with this person. For somebody who's thinking of starting a community, what would be your advice as, as someone who's not only started one, but boy, is that flourished? Not, and not only for a little bit, we're talking over a decade of having this community go on and on and on. And now you've got, like you said, you've got coaches and leaders in it. So for somebody just starting out, what would be your advice? Boy, this is really tough for people because I know that memberships are so popular right now. People look at it and they do the math on it, you know, immediately and think, oh my gosh, this is a cash cow. But the key is you have to have a center of influence before a membership community will work. So I talk to people who want to jump into this space. They have some area of expertise and maybe rightly so. I mean, it could be an attorney who's been working as a corporate attorney and now that person wants to start a member. I say, okay. How many connections do you have on LinkedIn? Well, none. I've never done that. How many blogs have you written in the last three years? Well, none. I haven't done that. 
you know, what are you doing on Facebook? Well, nothing. I haven't done that. Here's how a membership site works. It works best as a subset of a larger community that you already have. You know, if I have a lot of people on my email list, and we have, you know, we've got about 120,000 people that get my weekly newsletter, that gives me a basis of people who are already listening to me. Then if I announce a new product that we have available, sure, we're going to have a percentage of those people who say, I'm in. But if you have no audience, don't start a membership site. Work to build an audience. I mean, blog for a while. Get involved in other communities. Do something to start building. Put together a little course and promote it and sell it. And all of a sudden, you got 5,000 people where you have permission, where you have their email contact. Then you've got the basis to begin exploring a membership site. But not when you don't have any audience. It just flat doesn't work. Typically, when you first start out, you're just going to get probably a smaller portion than you think of your audience is going is to join. And so when you're starting off from zero, <laughs> a small percentage of zero is, is zero. So That's exactly right. Uh, you mentioned your email list, and I know you have your podcast because I'm a, a big fan of that. You've been on TV. You've been on the radio. When you look at your Eagles Club, do you know where most people are coming from? Or is it just referrals from other members? It's primarily referrals from other members. We continue to plant the seed of what we're doing in the Eagles community. My podcast, I mean, if you listen to that, I use a lot of examples. Hey, in the Eagles community, here's somebody, you know, here's Dave. Let me tell you what he just did. So those things without selling, plant the seed. Oh, that's where the action is. That's where people are really getting results. That's where people have a lot of other people helping them. I mean, I'm starting a, a group just immediately here that's called Will It Fly? Mm -hmm. I had people put in applications. And I said, if you're, you know, seven, $800 a month on a little side idea and you want to get that to a thousand, put in an application and I'll screen and I'll select 20 people. So I did. We had tons of applications and we had a lot of them from people who were like I talked about, unfortunately, gee, you know, I really want to do this, but I don't know what my idea would be. Those are not in this group. I selected people who have a business bones structure put together and they need to scale it. Then next month, I'm going to be working with those who are already at three or 4,000 and want to grow to $5,000 a month. The next month, I'm going to go with a group who are already at seven or $8,000 a month and want to grow to 10,000. And I'd like to continue that, frankly. But those are the kind of things we do inside there just to serve those people well. We just give and give and give. And those people become rabid fans. There is nothing you can do to grow a membership site. You can manipulate and con and do launches and open and close doors, all the things that people do, and that's fine. What we do is create raving fans because of the success stories they experience in the community. That's awesome. It's authentic. I, I, I'm sitting here smiling. I, I can't think. I'm so happy to hear that because I, <laughs> I tell people all the time, they're like, how do I grow my audience? I go, make your content so good that the people listening have no choice but to tell a friend. And I go, and that's how you grow your podcast. And it sounds like you have the same kind of theory. And what's great about that is also you have social proof. When you take somebody from, you know, $600 a month to a thousand facts, you know, it's, here's the numbers. 
they don't lie. I used to do this and now I'm doing this. And people can show the transformation. You know, you can't argue with that. That's awesome. In my podcast that I just recorded for this week, I told a story about a young guy who was making $40,000 a year. He's now making more than 10 times that. Wow. He called into Dave Ramsey and Dave said, you know, debt free. And Dave says, you know, how would you do this? He said, you recommended Dan Miller's 48 Days to the Work You Love. I read the book, got involved with him. Here I am today. That video, incidentally, has had over a million views. Think about what that has done for my business. I mean, I could buy all the Facebook ads in the world. I could take out a full-page ad in USA Today, and it would not have the impact of that kid with over a million views telling people, hey, this is what happened for me. Now, when you hear that, you know, that somebody went from, from where they were to where they are now, how does that make you feel? Oh, my gosh. I mean, people sometimes apologize for sending me success stories. Dan, I know you probably get tired of hearing this. Are you kidding me? I never get tired of hearing those stories. If it's a housewife who figured out a way to, I've got one lady who, who makes dolls, a creative way to make dolls, showing mothers how to do that. You know, and she's making six, $700 a month. I love that kind of story. I never get tired of hearing those. Yeah, it's extremely gratifying, Dave. I mean, I just, it's very humbling for a little farm kid from Ohio to be able to create some kind of little impact where people are experiencing those kind of new results in their lives. It's really, really gratifying. Well, and, and you talk about God putting people where they're supposed to be. And in my opinion, you're, you're right where you need to be. And it's like I said, I've, I've spent 30 minutes with you here. I'm already smarter. And uh, <laughs> you know, uh, check out Dan's website, 48days.com. First of all, buy the book. It really is. It's one of those books that I've probably read probably two or three times where about every now and then I'm just like, I just need something to kind of get me back on track and like, okay, you know, it's time to go back that I'll, I'll read Michael Hyatt's platform, Pat Flynn's will it fly. Those all kind of every now and then I go back to the well and I'm like, Oh, you know what? I don't know how I got off track, but uh, definitely check out that. If you want to check out his, uh, his community, that's at 48 days, Dan, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking time to uh, talk to us today. Oh, man, my pleasure. As you can tell, my enthusiasm soars having the opportunity to talk about this. So my pleasure. And hopefully we stimulated some ideas for your audience as well. Man, what a nice guy. He never disappoints. Got to go out to his website again, 48days.com. He's got more than that book. I forgot about that. He's got other books. He's got uh, Wisdom Meets Passion. He's got No More Dreaded Mondays as well as, like I mentioned, his uh, Eagles Club there. If you want to become a coach, if you want to find a job, if you want to start your own business, it's all there, 48days.com. A couple of things that really jumped out at me from this was, one, I loved when he said, I'm not enamored with the big numbers. I'm enamored with really quality engagement and growth for participants. And I think you're going to hear as we go along in this podcast that people that have true communities are not focused on the big numbers and think they focus on their participants and giving them what they want, making sure they are transforming them so that they're different. You, you can see the difference from before they joined the community and after. I thought that was great. He said it works best as a subset of a larger community. And I love the fact that he said, look, if you don't have a community, don't start one. 
because it's not a matter of I'm going to start from zero and build a community. No, you build a community and then you're going to have your super fans. And this really, if you think about it, if we go back to the days of musicians, the Beatles had a fan club, you know, any kind of group. Uh, there's Lady Gaga has her group and Taylor Swift. You always have fans and then you have the super fans and a community is really a place for your super fans. And then when he was talking about his actual community, he said, I've never seen such loyalty since uh, and the intimacy. He said, such a feeling, and you're going to hear this word a lot, of this as a safe place. People don't get that on Facebook, but here they do. And it's one of those words, as I'm doing these interviews now, I hear the word safe a lot. And I love the fact that you know, Dan has a process of coming into his groups because he's got to make sure it is safe. And that means that not everybody's going to be accepted. And some people, again, will let anybody in as long as you're paying. But with Dan, he sees the big picture and the true value of community. The School of Podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last clip I have of Dan Miller is he's one of the few people that I know of that actually got the rights to play some unlicensed music. So he got the license to play music in his podcast. And here's how he did it. I'm on the floor at Social Media Marketing World with the one and only, don't be fooled by cheap imitations, Dan Miller from 48 Days to the Work You Love. He's one of the few guys who's ever actually got music licensed for his podcast. And I wanted him to tell the story of the joy you had to go through to get that done. Absolutely. I was on terrestrial radio for six years. So there they have the, you know, BMI license, ASCAP license for taking care of business, the old Bachman Turner Overdrive songs. And so that's what I used, the steam music. Well, when I went off, I wanted to keep that iconic music as part of my podcast. Well, it's different when you're doing a podcast, a personal podcast is when you're on a radio station. So I contacted the publisher, Sony Music, about a license for that. It was like they had never heard the question before. And it was amazing that they hadn't been confronted with that. And I pushed and pushed and pushed. I said, I want an actual agreement on this. After four months of going back and forth with attorneys in, in uh, Los Angeles and New York, they finally came back because I used like, you know, 23 seconds at the front of my podcast and that's all. And they didn't know how to handle that. They said, would you be comfortable with $100 a year? I said, yes, send me a contract. They sent me a contract. The contract was full of all this legalese. This can never be shared in a format where it could be recorded and played again. I'm like, you guys don't understand podcasting. This is Sony Music, biggest music company in the world. I did a red pen all over that contract, crossed out major sections of it, sent it back with my $100. About two weeks later, I got a clean copy exactly as I had modified it, and I've been using it ever since. Every year, I send them $100. Bucks. Nice. Yeah. That's all I needed. Thank you very much. Absolutely. The School of Podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing that made my heart heavy is back on episode number 539, so that was a while ago, I got to interview Lee Silverstein, who had stage four colon cancer and was supposed to die. And Lee being Lee, he didn't like that plan and has been fighting it for 14 years. And he showed up at PodFest, but let me... Let me read you from his Facebook room. He said, I feel it's time to make this official. 
After close to 13 years, there are no more treatment options available to me. I have begun in-home hospice service. I'm quite comfortable and not in any pain. I have far outlived any oncologist predictions, and I'm grateful for that. I'm at peace and have no regrets. And thank you to Glenn the Geek, another friend of mine, longtime friend. I've known Lee for probably 17 years. And here's why I love Lee. If you, you know, look at me. If you put a podcast in front of me and say, look, you can do this. I saw it back in 2005 and I said, I think podcasting can save the world because we're all going to learn from each other. And if you put a podcast in front of a marketer, they're going to go, oh, this is amazing. We can sell to everyone on the planet. And when Lee was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, he saw it as a tool to inspire Here's a clip from my interview with Lee back on episode 539. No question. Matter of fact, the tagline for the podcast is providing stories of, uh, of hope, information, and inspiration. And that's exactly what I wanted to provide people who would find my podcast is give them those three things, hope, information, and, and inspiration. And so when you have a last conversation with people that have passed on. Most times you didn't know it was the last time you would talk to them. I know the last time I talked to Dan Miller, I believe was at a spark conference with his wife, uh, Joanne. And we were just talking about different things. And I, I always just walked away with a smile. He was such an amazing guy. And so in the last six months, I've done a lot of things that I've never done before. And this was a first for me. I've never gone into a room knowing that this would be the last time I would talk to this person in all normal circumstances. And so thank you to Glenn the Geek and anyone else who was involved with getting Lee to PodFest because Lee had been to every single PodFest and he wanted to make it to 10. This was the 10th anniversary of PodFest. And I told Glenn, I said, if that guy is in the building, call me. I will drop whatever I'm doing, even if I'm at the Libsyn booth, just to let this guy know how much he meant to me. And what was interesting is he wheels in and you kind of forget that this is a guy that is on his way out. And he looked different, as you might imagine. He was in a wheelchair. He's too weak to, to walk. And yet he wanted to be at PodFest. And so I see him, and I have a, uh, a habit of, well, let's just say humor is my default strategy of handling uncomfortable conversations. And so I knelt down to his wheelchair and I said, man, we got to pimp this thing out. You need some rims, maybe some flames on the side, something like that. And he laughed. And I was, I was happy I could make him laugh. He was in good spirits. It's just, you know, the mind is there. The body is weak. And there were all these people that just wanted to say goodbye to Lee. And I, I was like, it's hard to make Dave Jackson speechless. But this did. 
And so I, I stood up and I am, I could do a master class. You know how at PodFest they have those master classes the day before the big event? I could do a how to chew your feelings. They are a bit calorie dense at times, but I, I could really do a master class on this. And I was having a tough time holding it back. And so I was like, wait, 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 I can't, I can't leave with, without this guy really knowing uh, just how much I admired him. And so I, I sat down next to him and I didn't want to leave because I, I knew, I knew that if I left, you know, that was it. This is, you know, 99% chance is the last time. And so uh, I gave him a big hug. And I said, I love you, man. I'm, I'm better for knowing you. And he said, I love you. And I said, you know, we gave each other a hug. And uh, God bless Neil Galarte. Neil Galarte changed my life. Here's, here's the thing. Let's bring this back to podcasting. Let's not make it quite so, so sad. But it is. It is. You know, it's just, it's sad. It's life, but it's sad. But back many, many, many moons ago, I was at another, I think it was podcast movement and somebody had not showed up and Neil Galarte, uh, who I affectionately refer to as big sexy. Cause you know, he is. And, um, he said, Hey Glenn, why don't you get up and say something? So whatever that is, six or seven words. And Glenn Hebert came into my life like, uh, like a stallion since he's the guy from the horse radio network. And the minute he shut up, I was like, you got to come on my show. And he's been on my show more than anybody else ever. And that led to him inviting me to come to the first PodFest. And I always say podcasting is all about relationships. And relationships lead to opportunities. Opportunities lead to more relationships. And so here I was giving Lee Silverstein a hug. And I didn't want to leave. I just didn't. I wanted Lee to stay with us forever. And there he was, same guy, Neil Galarte, must have read my face and said, hey, Dave, give me your camera. I'll take a picture. And he took a couple. And I'm so glad he did. That's exactly what I needed. And, you know, I looked at Lee, gave him a little hug on the shoulder and got up and left. And I, I'm just here to tell you, I, I could not, it was just so hard. It really was. Cause again, this is a guy that when he saw podcasting was like, how can I inspire people? And how can I, how can I take people who just found out they have cancer and how can I help them not feel alone? And that is so so powerful. I know we talk a lot about monetization and podcasting, but there are so many other ways to benefit. And if you can make someone not feel alone, that is priceless, my friend. And Lee did that over and over and over again. So uh, eventually I'll have to come on this mic and say, yeah, Lee, Lee has passed on. He's still with us. And I'm pretty sure he's listening to this now. Maybe he's a weak, you know, he's weak right now. But if he is, Lee, I love you. And uh, this is the thing. 
when we talk about legacy, we got Dan Miller and we got Lee Silverstein. And if you haven't got checked up, gentlemen, here you go, Lee. This is this is how you live on, my friend. If you haven't got checked, I'm getting checked. I haven't been checked in a while. I got to get checked. So, gentlemen, Lee wouldn't have had those 13 years if he had waited. So get checked. It's important. And these are guys that did not let their message sit on a hard drive, sit in their head, sit there and wonder, should I start this? or They just did it. And forget thinking about the audience. Think about that one person who needs to hear your show. And when your need to serve your audience is greater than your fear of looking stupid, you will press record. And I'm so glad these two gentlemen did. Because when I miss them, I can go listen to their podcast again. And yeah, it'll have a little bit of a twinge to it. But I'll have something, and something is better than nothing. And it will never be nothing. They will live on, in my heart at least, forever. So, I, it's, again, it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a downer, isn't it? Death sucks, doesn't it? There's no way around that. But let me leave with this. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was saying basically this at the end of PodFest. They have this thing called a gratitude ceremony. And I kind of just said what I did off the top of my cuff, uh, top of my head. And I was like, hey, that, that thing with the, you know, teacher finds a, a way to learn and the salesman has a way to sell and, and Lee found a way to inspire. I was like, all right, I need to write that down. I like that. That, that wasn't bad, Dave. Good job. So I, I shared it here with you. But I also shared this because I don't know what the deal is, but everybody I know has a parent or a friend of mine is dying. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm about had it with death. He's uh, kind of annoying. But here's the thing. When someone you love leaves, it hurts. And that's a good thing. And you might be thinking, Dave, what are you talking about? Here's the deal. The love is a two-sided coin. And it takes courage and it takes dedication. You know, love isn't easy. It feels wonderful to have someone who inspires you. Or if it's a romantic thing, you know, that's a whole other level of courage. But when you love someone enough so that when they leave, it hurts, that's a beautiful thing. You are so lucky to have that person in your life. And yeah, it is way easier to say that than to live it. But you were lucky. And your choice is, I'm not going to love anyone. And I'm going to sit in my room and, you know, no one loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm just going to go eat worms. That's no way to live. It just isn't. And there were all these people at PodFest at the gratitude ceremony. And they all came in feeling alone and left feeling empowered. And if you find yourself crying because something hurts, and look, I'm not going to lie to you, this doesn't erase the pain, but lean into the fact that you were lucky enough 
to have that person in your life, that's a beautiful thing. And so with that, because I'm kind of rambling here, if you haven't figured it out, I'm not using a script today, and I'm tired. It's a quarter to one as I record this, and I'm extremely sleep-deprived, so maybe this is a fine lesson on how not to do a podcast, but it's just me talking to you, and I'm uh, kind of spilling my soul today. But I just know there are people out there that I'm just like, please do not wait to launch your podcast. But I'm also worried because somebody's going to go, Oh, you're capitalizing on your friend's death. Nice, Dave. No, I'm I'm not. But I do know I had, an, I had an uncle that was 98 that died last year, and I can't tell you the number of times I thought, I need to get a microphone in front of that guy, and I never did. So don't do that. I don't recommend it. It's not of, uh, you know, Lee's, Lee is leaving with no gr- regrets. I got one. I never put a microphone in front of my uncle. So with that, and there's so much more you can do with podcasting. And I would really love to see, once I get my voice back, <laughs> how we can work together and see what you want to do. And that could be just, you just want to get the, your message out there. You want to increase your reach. Maybe you want to be seen as a thought leader. Maybe you want to market a new product you have. Maybe you want to find people that think like you. Maybe you just want to have friends and have some fun in the basement. Whatever your why is. I can help you do that. I can help you figure out the who. Who is your audience? Let's let's talk about it. And then we can figure out what your what is. It's all there. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, that comes with unlimited. And that's not a typo. One-on-one consulting with me. Why? Because I love to help podcasters. And I would rather help you then spend five hours trying to get one person to hire me for consulting. Uh, I want to take care of the people who are already giving me money. Uh, people talked about that at uh, PodFest, and maybe I'll, I'll dive into that a little deeper at another date. But uh, that's it again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. Next week, we'll have the question of the month. I've also got a couple of interviews in the can. And I thank you so much for listening. Until next week. Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Hey, it's Dave, and now I have morning voice after the day of PodFest. I should be doing voiceover right now. Do you need, you know, in a world... But I wanted to say, I know Dan mentioned Mighty Networks, not a bad option. My favorite option right now for community is the one I use, which is called Heartbeat. There are a bunch of them, Circle, uh, there's School with a K, things like that. And I just want to say, I will probably be talking about those in a future episode. And I do have links to those in the show notes. Back to King's X.